This is unstructured. Hey everybody. Today I'm super excited to bring Leah Haven Woodford. She is the CEO of Smart Film Media Group. And with this company, she runs a magazine and a television show. And am I missing anything, Leah? Um, women's conference. <laughs> a women's conference. There we go. Uh, how are you today? I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Fighting the good fight, you know, which is what we all need to do as entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I'm really excited to tell your story. You have a kind of like a, a before and after and an origin story and then uh, a reclamation or recreation story almost. Well, I think we all have um, our comeback stories and our reinvention stories. And I do, I do. Um, and it, it's kind of funny how it happened. I uh, used to be a dating and relationship columnist and TV correspondent um, years ago in the early 2000s. And my daughter was a freshman at NAU and was in the rec room with her friends in the dorm. And one of my segments, dating segments came on. And next thing I know, I get the phone call, mom, you need to create something that's going to educate, inspire and empower women. And that's kind of what happened. She just called me, um, to call me out really was what, what happened. <laughs> you know, stop it. You have to stop this. And, um, you know, I, she was really embarrassed and she really forced me to take a look at what I was doing. And I realized I'd been in male dominated professions, glass ceiling is still there. I worked twice as hard as my male counterparts and I love men, not bashing men, but, <laughs> um, but as soon as I got successful, they would give up my territory to the new guy and, and I'd have to start all over again. So I realized that there was a lot of merit to what she was saying. That's and when you were doing sales? That was doing sales. Um, um, that's what the way she grew up. Um, in the early 2000s, despite studying journalism, I didn't do anything with it till I was 40. Um, hmm. Because you couldn't make a living at it. You know, you're making 25, maybe 30 grand as an anchor, a local anchor. And I was a single mom at 23, divorced with two little boys. And my mortgage or my daycare was more than my mortgage and car payment put together. So. I had no idea that um, it paid that low for local television as an anchor. That seems as crazy. an entry level, just starting out. You know, it, okay. it goes up, but yeah, um, out here in Arizona, tops maybe 60. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's That's... not it's not big money. Mm -mm. God, I no, <laughs> I guess they feel bitter. And I, I actually just learned about pilots don't make the money that I thought they did too from a, well, another gentleman. That, yes and no. That is that is not necessarily true. And I know a, a lot about this up close and personal. Um pilots do um after they've, if they've have certain type ratings and depending, they can make good money in corporate and they can make good money in the airlines, but not till they get into the left seat. When they, when they start out as co-pilots, um, they start them out 25,000. You've got, you've got to earn, you've got to earn left seat and then you can get up to a hundred thousand and more, but right. it's, 
it's all based on seniority and hours flown and you have, you have to earn your wings. Pay your dues, I guess. You do. You do. And I had a funny story about that yesterday. My, my husband's company, he has a jet charter company and had a millennial come in, um, wants to work 12 days a month, all holidays off once, um, a hundred thousand once, um, basically yoga pants. Um, let's see, what else did he ask for? Um, oh, it, the type rating is a $35,000 type rating and he only wants to be under contract for six months and he's already got one foot out the door. So I just went, Whoa, okay. Can we speak <laughs> entitled? Bring me a military guy who, um, the one thing I've really noticed is, uh, the military guys are team guys. You know, they, it's all for the team and they're fabulous. The millennials who come up and, you know, play the video games and get in through um, the simulators, they don't have that sense of teamwork and, and there's something with that entitled age and, and I lead millennials. So sure. sorry, you took me on this tangent. No, that's <laughs> this is it, this is fun because um, this, you haven't covered this before. Um, I was in the military. So I, I can speak to that a little bit. Thank you it's, for your service. Oh, sure, sure. There's a, a reason for that. In the military, through basic, et cetera, the psyche and ego are torn down before it's built back up. Right. And the idea is everybody's stripped out of their individual identity and become part of a team. So they are naturally going to be more inclined to be a team player, whether they're a millennial or an ex or anyone, the military can make a huge difference. Well, and I have to tell you this particular young man, he has great stick and, and rudder skills, um, but he was checked out by a former Top Gun commander, probably one of the most celebrated pilots in the country. Um, and said, you know, his skills are great. It's his attitude that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I'd rather have slightly fewer skills and better attitude. Yeah, I just, you know, um, but to even fly with somebody of this caliber, to have somebody like that even check you out. Former, I mean, think Top Gun, you know, and, yes. you know, the top, the elite. And to even have somebody check you out you know, and do your, um, check ride. I just don't think that he got how significant that was. Probably not. But again, he doesn't have a basis of comparison. He hasn't been a private or a, an E4 or whatever, and had the, the nosebleed, um, celebrity, if you will, because a yeah. high ranking person in the military is like a God to a lower ranking person in the military. People on the outside, they don't know that. They're called sir by anybody in the military from a general all the way down to a private. So right. they, just, they don't quite understand how much effort and time and um, what goes into achieving that kind of success or rank. You know, it's I, I was raised a military brat. You know, we had room inspection at 0700 on Saturday. So, I mean, it was <laughs> my dad raised raised me very militant. Um, and I hated it at the time because we had to move all the time. But I'm so grateful because the skill sets that I learned growing up military, because I was always the new kid, Eric, always. Yeah. 
You know, um, that's why sales was so easy for me. It's just making friends. And quickly. Yeah. Cause you're always, you're always on the move. You're always in a new place. So, um, and I do find, I really love the structure of the military. You know, I like structure. I like having, I, I, I don't like chaos. Uh Oh, ignore the name of my show though. <laughs> but um, no, that makes sense. I, I, I could see where that would be incredibly valuable to you because one, you can make friends quickly Two, You can be absolutely sincere about it mm -hmm. because you're used to meeting people. You're used to gauging people and probably um, finding parallels to other people that you've met in the past or things you can just sense about them. Oh, they're, you know, this kind of person I can get along with them in this or, or you can find a commonality very, very quickly. And you probably have a, a lot more um, interests because of your moving around that you could well, share. You know, um, I, I'm a journalist at the, at the end of the day, I really love getting to know people and figure out, figuring out what makes them tick. You know, um, you're doing that right now. You're a journalist. I mean, we're, I'm on your podcast. Um, I love talking to people and, and you know, everybody's got a story. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I'm doing this. I, I enjoy talking to the different people and learning from them, especially the wider variety. Mm hmm. I, I, I get to be a fairy godmother with what I do. And that's one of the things that I love most about it. Um, I do work with a lot of millennials and I certainly don't want to give them all a bad name because I, I have had the honor and privilege of mentoring many of them that were on my team that have gone off and they're doing great th things in New York or somewhere else. So, um, you know, I have one at Facebook <laughs> that I, yeah. you know, so I have another one that was the assistant editor for uh, Red Book. And now she just went over to Hearst, you know, so I have another one at Town and Country and who wrote for us and I wrote her a letter of recommendation and she got her full ride to um, the New York Times and Town and Country. So I love that I get to be a fairy godmother and you know, the millennials, it depends on really how they're raised. You know, you got to, um, I live in Scottsdale where, you know, the kids, the 16 year olds are driving, um, BMWs and Mercedes. And in the meantime, my stepson, he's got a 1994 Camry he paid for. <laughs> I've been there. I grew up in, uh, Tucson, Arizona in the, uh, Catalina foothills area, the richest oh, part pretty of the area. And I was the poorest kid in the richest school. <laughs> so I know exactly what it's like. Um, but, you know, I, th I think that's part of the, the problem, though, Eric, nowadays. And I think, you know, Brad Zollis and I just did a, a, a fabulous show on that. Um, a lot of it was, you know, child-centric parenting came around. You know, and we're giving kids trophies for last place and... You know, we're so worried about um, extending their childhood, you know, and and making everything feel good for them that then we're not giving them life skills. Yes. And there's other factors, too. One, I'm probably of the last who uh, have you watched Stranger Things on Netflix? Uh, I love Stranger Things on Netflix. Well, that 
that is kind of like the Gen X mm-hmm. um, childhood. We were the last to be on our bicycles out in the middle of nowhere. And the only rule was get home by dinner, which meant uh, you're probably a little I bit I had that then. rule. <laughs> I had that rule. When the porch light comes on or the street lights come on, come home. Don't make me find you. And right now, a lot of parents, if they let their kids do that, could potentially be arrested. Right. No, I think I think there's I think there's some merit to that, but I also think, um, wow, you know, um, I wasn't given a iPad at the age of three. We actually went out right. and built forts, and you know, mm-hmm. we used our imagination. I th- I think sadly, and I'm raising a millennial right now. I have a 17 year old stepson right now who, you know, struggles with the soft skills. Mm-hmm. You know, um, forced him to go get a job at Fry's. Um, he did it. I worked. Huh? <laughs> I worked at Fry's as a teenager. Oh man. my goodness, love it. Um, oh, you wow. know, and and the same thing with his older sister. You know, she came to us at eighteen. She barely passed high school. Um, didn't know how to drive. Mother never took her to her SATs. Neither one of these kids have ever been in a sport or any kind of organized activity because mom couldn't be bothered. So, um, you know, I first thing, thing I told Megan was you've got to get a job and you're going to have to buy a car. And she did. And you're going to have to go to school. And she hated me for a year and a half. I'm just going to say she hated me because I was all over her. But guess what? She's 21 right now, and she's got a 4.0 in engineering, built her first robot, just paid off her second car, has a perfect FICO score, and is living in her own apartment. I think it's awesome, and that will help her throughout life because she's establishing her own identity and not dependent on anybody else. I think you said something about your other daughter saying that you taught that as a life skill that, what was it, a man's not a plan or something? Yes, the man's not the plan. (laughs) Okay, and I I think that that's outstanding because um, I know of some Facebook friends, et cetera, who are in a situation where they can't necessarily get out of a marriage or a relationship, or if they do, they have no marketable skills. It's, you know, it's, it's funny, Eric, because um, in today's day and age and with divorce rates being what they are, and, and um, I just can't imagine it. And sadly, the women who make the man the plan, when they do get divorced, they end up in poverty and their children live in poverty with them. Oh yeah. And I have really, well, I don't, um, I respect women who stay home who stay at home moms. I fear for them mm-hmm. because the odds are against them. And if you're going to stay home, keep up your skills, stay in there, work part time, um, donate your services, give back to the community, but you have to have some skill sets because it doesn't, it's not even necessarily divorce. You know, your husband could lose his job. He could be killed. I mean, there's all kinds, um, of different scenarios. Um, but I, I, in Scottsdale, I see it all the time, you know, that's kind of what your company is about, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, 
postmodern feminist. Um, and what, let me just explain that to you. Cause, um, I just, uh, spoke in Chicago. I felt like I was speaking to the Senate. These were all blue, uh, blue haired guys in the audience. Mm -hmm. And they and I say, I'm a postmodern feminist and you could hear the, <gasps> But postmodern feminists, first of all, um, we don't burn our bras. And secondly, we love men. I'm married to one and I've raised a few, so we don't bash men. And we just believe that there is no pink team, there is no blue team. You know, we need to get in there and work together. That is, you know, So it's my... not postmodernism like uh, Foucault and Durad? No. That? Okay, that, that might be what send some people over the edge as they hear postmodern and they think, whoa, postmodernism that um, e everything is um, of your mind and nothing is real and an airplane is conceived because it's man has made it. And so it's nothing more than a taxonomy. And there, there's a, a whole line of thinking down the postmodernism path. There's a couple of different interpretations of feminism anyway. And, and the one thing that I want to say is I love men, have them on my team, married to one, raised a few. Um, yeah. I think they're fabulous. Um, and I love working with them. There's a lot less drama working with men. I'm just going to tell you, I run a women's centric magazine and um, you get a bunch of women together and I, I don't want to betray my uh, gender, but there's often drama. I have a no tolerance zone for drama. I think some of that is perhaps society's fault in a way. And, and men can own a little of that too, like helping pit women against each other or putting them in a situation where they feel like that's the only way they could get ahead, at least at one point in time. I think that that might've been, but you know, I think there's been a lot of women who've been blessed and you got to send the letter back down, you know, and they often don't um sure sure but, you know but um because then you're directly competing against there aren't enough women in leadership and so then you're directly competing against right. your mentor and i think that's what's happening but um i also believe there are tremendous opportunities to be an entrepreneur and you know with technology being what it is now um i mean i don't i'm not sure where you are eric but i'm in you know, Cape Creek, Arizona. I mean, and I had a conversation with Ireland this morning, you know, we can really run a business globally, very cost effectively now. Sure. You know, I'm, uh, I'm on the East coast. <laughs> oh, there Talking you go. Online. With video, but we're not publishing it. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm still so, in my workout clothes. Essentially then you're, you believe in the, um, abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset because i think there's a lot of problems with the scarcity mindset of there's only so much pie and everybody's got to have their piece instead of thinking how about if we get some ingredients and try to bake another pie you know what i i think there are people that really think that i think there's enough business out there for everybody but here's here's the bigger problem that i see I think a lot of people don't really do their due diligence in their company and they don't know or they haven't really, really honed in and made sure they had a good quality product or service before they start pushing it out there. That's a big problem I see. Um, I would rather have 10 clients that love me and a residual income than being on the hamster wheel every month, 
you know, um, looking for new business. That's rough. Um, is some of it too, that people may start too soon or they may not have enough behind them to get through the thin times until it catches on, I, but take I think, the restaurant. I, I, I think, well, that's a rough gig. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I'd ever want to do a restaurant. I mean, they close open and close here like crazy. I think, um, I think part of the issue is, um, again, they don't do their due diligence. I think, um, before you, before you start your company, um, and if you're a paycheck player, first of all, the mindset from a paycheck player to an entrepreneur is completely different. And you have yeah. to, you have to really understand what's required of you. Do your due diligence, make sure that you have the skill sets, um, make sure that there's a market. You know, this is another big problem. A lot of people go and start businesses, which they think will be amazing, but there's no market for them. You know, do your target market research. You know, it, it's great while you sell these widgets, but nobody wants them. Good point. Sounds like you have a, a companion. I do. And she wants to go outside. And right now we have, um, we have a whole pack of coyotes. Out coyotes. There. So yeah. Abby, come here. Sorry about that. Yes, I do have a little four-legged little girl who thinks that uh, the world revolves around her. Oh, she's a terror. I oh, love she it. Is. She's my girl. Well, I definitely wanted to address it because everybody will hear a little growling in the background. I go, what is that? Oh, yes. Um, Abigail Barksdale Woodford. Um, I'm working from home today cause we're, um, moving into a new office and we're building our new TV studio. So I'm working from home right now. Oh, nice. That's a nice, nice day to have. Now let's go back to your origin story. Um, you started off talking about your daughter and I did want to say something about that. Mm -hmm. The fact that your daughter felt comfortable in saying that <laughs> reflects well upon you in two ways. Number one, you're comfortable. She was comfortable enough with you that she could say it. And then number two, you're showing true leadership because you're giving her the credit and you understand that, Hey, let me give all my team players credit because it, it doesn't matter if they get credit. That just shows that I'm a leader. That's my team. And my team is great. Well, I couldn't, I wouldn't have even thought of it if Lauren hadn't brought it to my attention and I couldn't have created you know, um, our company without my team. And there is no, there, well, I suppose there are solopreneurs that do it on their own, but I, I could not have done, done it without my team. You know, I just couldn't have. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't have wanted to. Um, a magazine with one voice, <laughs> but just, you know, um, just doesn't make sense to me. But um, I, I, my goal after that conversation with Laura Lauren was to create a platform for women. So they would have a voice. Okay. And that was in 2009, I believe, right? Yes. yes. And we didn't really fully get it launched until 2011 because sometimes life gets in the way. And so let's talk about that. What happened? Well, my then husband at the time um, was in a severe motorcycle accident. Um, he was in a coma and it was 16 months of rehab. Um, so I had to put everything on hold. I couldn't, I couldn't work. Um, I was a business consultant and yeah, again, I was a 
uh, media personality, I had to put all that on hold because he had four types of rehab every day. Wow. You know, so that meant I was out of the workplace um, for 16 months. And then after um, he was a captain for Southwest and after um, 16 months and 10 neurosurgeons signing off on him, he got to go back in the air. Um, but then I was diagnosed with a rare form of skin cancer on the right side of my face. And yes. they ended up taking the majority of the right side, my whole face off on the right side from my eye down. It was 11 hours, 12 surgeons. Um, wow. taking the cancer out and it was multiple surgeries putting me back together again. And so I was off sidelined for another year. And then after my third surgery, my husband filed for divorce, served me with divorce papers at, right after. My yeah. <laughs> so, um, I had to make smart femme work because I didn't have any income. Wow. Wow. So what happened then to propel it? I mean, what event took place that, that really turned the tide? Um, I will tell you, I had um, one of my former clients, um, Paul Whitford. Um, he had done, um, I had put his LLC together and did some PR for him. And um, he said he would help me. Um, get it together. And we were working on it. He lived in Long Island, New York, and he was working on it virtually. But when Greg had his accident, I said, let's put it on hold. And he did. And then after I got served with di divorce papers, I told him what happened. And he told me, um, we need to get this off the ground because I have a 13 year old whose mother is telling her the man's the plan. And he, he said, I think this is really important. So he flew me out to New York and bless his heart, he forced me to focus on something other than me and my lack of a face. And for 10 days we worked on Smart Them and we put it together. And this is while you were um, still injured and, and healed. Yes, yes. That's significant um, for people to understand. It, 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 would, it took every bit of guts that I had to get on the airplane because I'd been in front of the camera and I, you know, um, I had no face um, and it was bandaged. And I remember this cute little six year old um, pointing at me and saying, look at the monster lady, mommy. And mm -hmm. All I wanted to do was be the invisible man at the back of the plane. You know, I just couldn't get small enough. And, uh, it, you know, I still don't know how I did it. I, it's still so unreal for me. Uh, but um, Paul was amazing. And he made me realize that my promise to my daughter was more than just a promise to her. It was promise to women everywhere. And Paul is um, somebody significant in your life now, correct? He is. He is, um, he is now my husband. We um, All this happened in 2011, and we got married in 2014. And so you were at your darkest and at your worst, so to speak, yep. when you got with him. Yes, so we were working on Smart Femme and about... 
I don't know, um, eight or nine months later, he just told me that he, how he felt about me. And, you know, we just, I just, this is a man who had my back when I didn't have a face, you know, and that just meant something to me. And he saw more in me than I could see in myself. And I think there are times in our lives when we all can't see who we are and we lose our way and we need somebody to lean on. And he, and he allowed me to lean, but he wouldn't let me wallow. That was one of the most significant things uh, in my life was um, I was dealing with just, you know, cancer and divorce at the same time. And I can absolutely tell you the people that you think are going to be there are not there. And then people that you just can't even imagine show up. And Paul was one of those people. So you would agree then that I guess together you were really more than the sum of your parts. Oh, you know, it's funny. We have this conversation all the time. Um, he was a paycheck player until smart them. And we started really clicking along. The magazine started really taking off in 2012. And he was a corporate pilot with a major contract. He was making awesome money um, in China. And uh, of course he needed it because he went through a really acrimonious divorce and lost everything. So he needed it. But um, he was working and building SmartFem, and that was his first entrepreneurial um, jaunt. And then um, we got married in 2014, and his children wanted to come and live with us, but of course he was in China and mm. uh, couldn't. And he left a huge contract to come here and be an entrepreneur. And what happened was, and he, he was great at it, but I could see he's a pilot. I'm, yes, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yes, I've got a thing for pilots, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown up around him my whole life. My dad was a pilot, you know. Uh, ah, okay. And now. But um, I realized I could see the light going out of his eyes because he couldn't mm. fly. And so I used every contact that I could to find somebody um, to help him fly. And um, I remember his partner, uh, Chuck Lamardo, he was, he was on vacation in San Diego. And I told him, he's in China, and this is what's going on. And he says, well, I'm on vacation. But when he gets in, have him call me, no matter what the time I want to talk to him. And they've been working together ever since. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, so now SmartFem... Your company you established it, I guess, around 2011 is when it really started right. to come together. And I think, what was it, around 2014 it started to really take off? Or, or was it prior to that? I, I um, 2012, the magazine was really, really clicking. In 2012, uh, Google, Google really started pushing YouTube, and I realized that... Um, I needed YouTube videos and I hired, you know, some of the cameramen and some of the producers that I used to work with in broadcasting. And I realized that I really couldn't get what I was looking for. So I actually, um, even though I was working uh, full time, I went back to school, film school, hmm. okay. because I wanted to really learn um, 
I love documentary filming. I love the lighting. I love the drama. I like the cinematography. And I was the oldest and slowest in the class. <laughs> but um, I, you know, and although I can edit, I'm slow. Um, now I'm a better director because sure. um, now that I really understand it um, conceptually versus just um, broadcast. You know, broadcast is just basically you shoot it, put it in the can. But when you're filming something and it's documentary, you you see it before you hear it. And there's a lot of B-roll and you're, you're telling a story. And I love the storytelling. I, I just love that aspect of it. Um, I'm very proud of my team. And um, I love what we do because I think that we make television interesting again. So it helps you with specificity too, because now you can state what you're looking for. And while you may not do that particular function, you know how to do the function so you can ask somebody to do it. Right. And I'm better at leading them, you know, and I can get the concept out of my head. I can tell them, you know, what kind of lighting I want. I, you know, what kind of music, um, you know, that's another thing. Um, music um, adds drama. There's so much to it. And I just love that aspect of it. I love, I'm so proud of all of our work. I really am. I'm, I'm proud of our work and I would put it up against anybody's because I think, um, my team does an amazing job. Now your work right now is on Roku and Amazon prime, correct? Mm -hmm. Both, both here and in Europe. Excellent. And that, um, reminds me of an interview I saw with, uh, that you had with a um, somewhat well-known um, rock musician. <laughs> that would be Alice Cooper, <laughs> who now, I just, uh, yes. Um, Alice Cooper actually has had a huge hand in the success of smart Femme. All roads lead to Alice. I think he's probably, um, you know, everybody knows him as the shock rocker and um, you know, legendary, rock musician, but he's a brilliant businessman. The mm -hmm. man is in his seventies. He's more famous and relevant than ever before. He's touring with Johnny Depp and Joe Perry. And I will tell you, this guy brings it every night on the show. He's touring 320 days a year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't and, know he was out there that much. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He is. He's, he's touring with the vampires right now. And, um, the vampires are Joe Perry, um, Johnny Depp. I think Paul McCartney's been in there. I mean, these are legendary people that have come in and, you know, um, guests on the vampires. Um, Johnny Depp started out as a musician, kind of fell into acting. A lot of people don't yeah, know that. It, there's a weird thing with that. I've never completely understood that. Mm -hmm. People are okay if a musician like David Bowie goes into acting, but they really have trouble with any actor who goes into music, no matter what the order is. It's, a, a, I don't know, it's a blind spot culturally. Well, you know, he is just, uh, he's just um, a diehard musician. He loves it. Um, and I think, um, I think he likes acting too. But I think his his real love has always been music. 
Um, it's a way to express yourself. And um, the guitar has always been his instrument. So um, I've heard he's actually phenomenal. He is. He is. Um, Joe Perry got sick and he had to take all the leads. Um, I, I think it was a year or two ago. I can't remember when, when they were on tour. Mm. Um, yeah. He's played with the best. He's played with Paul McCartney. I mean, Johnny Depp is a wickedly good guitar player and people just, you know, they still see Edward Scissorhands or. Sure. Well, he know. owned the Viper Room or still owns the Viper Room, doesn't he? Or I don't know if he still room. owns it. Um, I know that he did own it and, you know, there was a lot of speculation and, you know, there was a lot of drama because that is where um, River Phoenix died. overdosed and died. Yeah. So I'm not sure if he still owns it and um, certainly not his fault, but, um, you know, I, that was really prevalent. Drugs, sadly, drugs and rock and roll go hand in hand and, you know, and definitely at you know, in uh, L.A. But not with Alice, to bring it no. back around. That's interesting. Well, Alice, Alice had his own struggles, but he left he left substance abuse 30 years ago and never looked back. Did he? Okay, okay. Yeah, he, he had a few. His was more alcohol than drugs, though. Mm, okay. But he's very Christian. Right. That's something I've, I've heard, and it's always a surprising thing because... Um, shock rocker but absolutely one of the cleanest living guys around one of the nicest people around from everything super nice i hope you get to watch my interview with him backstage oh, yeah. pass with alice cooper um his lovely wife cheryl is in that they've been married for 40 years they have three children and three grandbabies um their youngest daughter sonora just got married last week i believe so um you know, they're really tremendous family people. And what amazes me is all of their kids are really good kids and they're all in the business, but they're all very grounded, mm. you know, which doesn't happen in Hollywood very often. Well, now how did Alice exactly help get smart fam off of the ground? You know, he, his, um, he has a nonprofit, um, solid rock, which is a teen center. And he was doing a fun, he wanted to do a fundraiser. His team called and said, um, we would like for smart Femme to host rock the runway. And this was in 2012. And I thought, Oh my God, great. But we're new. I don't have all the distribution and everything. And they said it was okay. And they just wanted to work with us. And we've been working with them ever since, you know, we were brand new. That's one of the things that I really love about the Coopers, you know, and they introduced me to their, um, their main sponsor for their charity, um, air park Jeep, who's been my sponsor ever since, you know, hmm. um, who Koi pointer is just darling. And, you know, they're just family. I, that's how I feel about them. I mean, I am incredibly indebted to them. Um, my little girl went to her very first concert at six with her dad was Alice Cooper. You know, <laughs> she, uh, yes, a little much, but uh, right. well, that was her dad. Um, 
but she's loved him ever since. And she got to be in one of his, his TV commercials. She got to be a zombie bride and she got a signed guitar and her dad called me and goes, how am I going to top that? And I said, you're not, (laughs) (laughs) you can't top that. How did you actually meet him originally? They called me and asked if I would host rock the runway. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You know, I mean, we were, we were doing pretty well. We were doing pretty well, but we were new and, and Jane Gordon, their community relations person called me and they said, Hey, let's just, let's have a conversation. And we did, and we did it for a couple of years. And then, um, Alice's career just really took off. And so he doesn't do rock the runway anymore, but it was Mm. just, it was, um, he's touring too much. Right, he right. does. He he does two fundraisers. He does a golf tournament and Christmas pudding, and we'll be we'll be working with him again for Christmas pudding. Um, cool. Yeah, the Hollywood Vampires, jo- Johnny Depp and Joe Perry are going to be there. I'm very excited. Um, he gets in some of the best people for Christmas pudding, and they they donate their time. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I've, so now, Leah, what is next? smart film you know that's a really good question um i think really what's next for us is um i really our tagline is online on air everywhere i really think that i would like more conferences and i would like for more women-centric companies like dove and l'oreal companies like that to become sponsors for smart Fem because i see them sponsoring uh the women's expo and it's basically how to lose those 10 pounds and cookie recipes and it's not really a women's empowerment and i really would love for some of the women's companies to really get behind what we do and really teaching women and men too we have a lot of men that read us the fundamental um, lessons for success. That really is my goal is um, to kind of shift. You know, I feel everything is still very lifestyle with, with um, they say they support women and everything else, but it's on a very superficial level. I'd like them to take a deeper dive. Or maybe do both at the same time. Absolutely. But I think I would really love to see them embrace um, women's conferences for women that actually do something. Sure. You know, and, and again, I don't want to throw uh, the stay at home moms under the bus. I just don't want to. Um, but I think there are, there are some amazing women running companies and they're not MLMers and, you know, they've started their companies from scratch and they're taking care of their families and, they're mentoring other young women. And I, those are the stories I want to tell. There's a lot of stay at home moms now who are doing side hustles and Etsy and businesses and are entrepreneurs themselves. There are, I think being an entrepreneur has, it's, it's so different. You can do the life and work integration, which you couldn't do in the eighties and nineties, you know, you were in a cubicle and, or you were like me in heels and nylons and 110 schlepping 
you know, going door to door, schlepping copiers and selling stuff. I am the internet, social media, everything has changed it. I really personally love it, but I also see um, it's a double-edged sword. Sure, just like anything else. Now, where can people find find out more? They can find us online. Smartfem.com is our award-winning online magazine. Um, Smartfem TV, you can just go into Amazon Prime and just click in Smartfem. We have three different shows. We have Smartfem TV, um, Between the Lines, which is all book authors. Great, fabulous stories there. And then we have Smartfem and Friends, which will be going up shortly, which is really a fun new show. I'm, I'm very excited about that one. Well, cool. Awesome. Everybody's going to have to check all this out. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. It was, it was my pleasure, Eric. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.